Hello listeners, welcome to a brand new episode of the Everybody's Eats podcast. I'm your host as always, Nanad Barbadikar. Joining me is my co-host for the day, Alex Collins. Alex, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. How are you, Nanad? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And listeners, we were really happy with the way things went last uh, last episode. So we decided to bring back Jerry. So Jerry, hi. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. And you too. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Really excited uh, to discuss Egon as always. I know when people ask about how their how their weekend's been and how my weekend's been, they have a lot of exciting things to share. We say we, say we watch Liga. That's what we're proud of uh, here at Everybody's Eats. So for, <laughs> in the plan for today's pod, listeners, we have a roundup of the weekend's action as usual, a look at some of the transfer business that's ha- that has happened and will happen and any rumors that are interesting for us and to tell you about and... Since it's too early in the season to still do a proper deep dive that we've sort of come to be known about on the pod, we're going to you know, continue discussing, similar to previous weeks, the weekend's action, all of these transfers, and just looking at big takeaways for, for the season. And on that note, I suppose let's start off discussing the transfer window. Jerry, I'll start with you. Let's talk about a transfer that has happened. I know you were keen to talk about Pelma. To, from Clermont, uh, who has moved to Clermont Foods from Basel. So tell our listeners about uh, about him. Yeah, so obviously, um, Pelmar actually been was a hot prospect when he was younger in France. He, he featured a lot of young French team, then kind of uh, lost his way with Nice. And when he, he went back to Basel, he had a really great time, really great season. Uh, one of the best uh, centre-back in the league. So it was really interesting to have him there. Um, and and yeah, now he went to Clermont. And what I really like about this move is because Clermont's playing with a back three uh, on the back, which is kind of what Basel were doing times to times. And what's even more interesting, well, I haven't even, uh, yet watched Clermont, but from the time as Basel, I know that Pelmar uh, played as well as a midfielder. And I think that would help him, help him a lot in this. Uh, so he played right centre back in this back three position, and I think that would help me a lot. Nice. All right. Well, lots of uh, lots of flexibility there, I think, for Clermont at the back. So that's good. Any transfer that might still happen that you're keen to see? Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna stay in Swiss football because I'm really as a really sensitive in Swiss football, and there is one of probably one of the best Swiss prospects currently. Uh, a young boy is called um, uh, Fabian Rieder, who, after awaiting uh, a move to Germany, turns out that he might join Ren now Ren who lo- just loves Le um, Romager to Wolfsburg. So it's been reported that uh, Ren are really interested in signing the player. And to be fair, I think it's, it makes sense because he's a really talented player. Um, well, we might argue that Hen have a lot of midfielder currently, but obviously, when you have a player of that of his of his quality that you will be able to sign, I think is uh, always good to. I've actually just realised I watched Rita at the under twenty one Euros. Um, I was really charmed by that whole Switzerland midfield with 
uh, what was yeah, it, Jashari, Emiri, yeah, Rida. I remember watching them against France and, I mean, not France, against Spain. And Spain also had like a really good midfield with Blanco, Bena and, and Sunset. So it was like uh, two really, really yeah, good midfields yeah. going up against each other. I'm actually, yeah, I, I was really impressed um, by Rida. I'm looking what, forward to seeing to what's see really he interesting brings. is like, he's really been like helping his game now. He's like, he's like 21 now or 20. But when you watch Shumbo, he's literally the one like giving the orders, ordering stuff, and just have so many, so many leadership at such a young age, and I feel like it will be a waste for him to stay in Tottenham one more season. So I hope that transfer will go through. Mm, interesting, interesting transfers happening there from Swiss football to Liga. Alex, I'll come to you now. A transfer that has happened from you, Machi Sablin. Do you want to tell our listeners all about it? Yeah, um, Ablin's a player I kind of have a bit of a soft spot for. Um, watched him. He, he's from Rennes. Uh, he's actually only on loan now at Nantes, where he's moved for this season. But last season, he was on loan at Auxerre. And yeah, he only scored three goals in 22 appearances, which is obviously not great for, for a central forward, right? But but I think he's a nice player. He's got really good tech. I think he's got good hold-up and link play. Um, he is also has the ability to get shots off, I think, and carry the ball. Big issue is maybe when to get those shots off and really maybe that off-ball movement to find like proper pockets and stuff. But I think, uh, and we'll get into the non game later, but I think he can kind of help them keep the ball higher. What they what they kind of do is they really struggle to kind of hold possession in higher areas at the moment. And obviously, non is a team that maybe, <laughs> based on last season, does need an injection of goals, which I'm not sure Ablin really gives, but I think he could. I think there's, there's a good player in there um, to kind of... Yeah, to to get more out of, but but I think he'll definitely give them better attention in high areas, which which can obviously make them dangerous or more dangerous um, as a result. So I'm excited to see how it happens. I know he's only there on loan, but I think it's a good move for him as well. Mm. And a transfer that might still happen, a player that I'd say all of us are fairly familiar with, but one that we're really excited about. Yeah, it's an obvious one. A uh, follower in Balogun <laughs> to to Monaco. Um, yeah, I can't really overlook it. I think it's a it's a it looks like it's going to happen soon, maybe by the time this pod's out. Um, but yeah, it will be a huge chance for them, for them. I think it's also a good one for them. I can really see him working. This this weekend was the first time I properly watched Monaco, and I can really see where he fits into that side. And and yeah, I think it's a good move for him too. Like He obviously had a lot of success in the league with Rance last season. Um, and I think there's always a little bit of that doubt of like, okay, you know, you've... You've hit 20 goals in League 1, but how are you going to do in another league? I think he would have done well, but I think this is a step up for him. But at a team, you know, in a in a league that's familiar now. And, and I think, yeah, I think I can really sort of see him scoring well and kind of finally having that proper transition of Ben Yedda out and Balogun in um, as the season kind of progresses. Mm. And, Jerry. And yeah, you you said a good that great step up from him. And I think when you look at it, when you had... Was playing at Hans. Hans is not a team that um, the opposition will particularly sit to wait for them. So you, you always have quite a lot of space. And I think like now with us playing at Monaco, which is obviously um, a bigger team in front, team are kind of expected him to play. So it will be interesting to see how we will manage uh, with less space how to play. So I'm I'm also really interested interested and intrigued about this transfer. Mm, likewise, I'm. I'm just pleased to see Balogun back in in familiar territory in the Egan. I think it's it's a good step for him to continue that level of 
uh, development for him and to be on the right path towards progressing towards being a very, very good striker for the future. All right, with that said, I think I'll just speak about a few significant outgoings before we move on to the weekend's action. Faris Shaibi is one that's the most recent. He has moved from, from Toulouse to Eintracht Frankfurt, supposedly to be the uh, eventual replacement for Jesper Lindstrom, who is moving to Napoli, which is something that I just found out. So that's that should be exciting for him to, to move to Napoli. Another one that we haven't uh, touched on in previous pods is obviously Jeremy Doku, who moved to Manchester City from Rennes, who Rennes themselves are replaced with, uh, with Ludovic Blas, I think. And we, we saw him sort of play that role over the weekend. But we'll come to discuss that discuss that later. Uh, transfers that might happen, which is something that we were discussing just before we started recording, Matteo Guendouzi. He is likely on his way out from, from Marseille, supposedly on a move to, to Lazio. And an arrival that's ha- that has happened that particularly interests me is Roman Perot from, from Southampton to Nice. The useful depth option in place of Melvin Bard to give him some support on that side because Nice are definitely looking really light on that left fullback spot. Obviously, there were Atal and Lotomba on that right side, so well set for that. But on the left side, a little bit more lighter. Now Perot's come in, so I think Melvin Bard's got some, got some good support. All right, I think with that, we have covered all the transfers that we need to. So let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into the weekend roundup. Back from the break, let's start with the weekend roundup at Nantes 3, Monaco 3, Jerry. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I think it was a really interesting game uh, against uh, opposing two teams that I I was always quite interesting to see. And um, obviously, uh, Monaco are the best and in almost every part of the pitch. So they were clearly like, I, I would say that Monaco deserved better. But if they were like particularly a player that, I don't know, I, I really like how much he gained in confidence this season since uh, Adida arrived is Minamino. Um, just the way that he, he, he positioned himself on the pitch is, is, is really nice. And it just kind of making that perfect connection between the midfield and the, the attacking position. I think that's the... He played with so much confidence I did last season. And you can just see when he scores or even he, he gave... And I think for, for me, what I really like when play like what when you can tell that I have confidence is when he's giving indication to others and he's been doing it quite often during the game uh, and yeah I think this is a Monaco going to be great um, Minamino had a good role to that Minamino mm. Minami yes for the rest of the season <laughs> <laughs> Alex that's awful <laughs> um, but <laughs> No, no, but I was just thinking, like, Monaco actually have a very good team. They're, like, one or two pieces short. I think Balogun's obviously the one piece, I think, would be worth just bolstering that attack. But they're one or two pieces short of a really good team this season. Uh, the other piece I think we'll speak about is definitely, I think they need a centre-back in. Because they didn't play any centre-backs to start this game. And they had one centre-back on the bench. So that that shows you how much faith um, Hotza really has in Maripan. But, but yeah, I mean... I think I agree. Minamino just looks on it, was moving through the pockets, really directing their play. There's a, there's a very dynamic sense to how um, Monaco are playing, but also like 
Mo Kamara was great. Yusuf Fofana was great. Um, they obviously have maybe you behind PSG. You could argue the best um wing back pairing in the league, um with Vanderson and Kainrico. Kainrico. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a good team. Um, Golovin's good. Um, and uh, yeah, I think adding Balogun like there's a lot there. Um, it's just really, really I think improving that adding a centre back that's needed. And actually, I think they'll be quite impressive this season. I think they looked good. They do look a little bit like um, weak defensively, but I think it is because they lack that centre-back. Yeah, and on that centre-back issue, I think you really saw Wilfred Single not looking particularly like natural at it. Even though, obviously, to be fair to him, it's, it's still a new role. He's adjusting to it. Some of his movement and some of his, you know, out-of-possession sort of positioning, even just from build-up, it looked a bit shaky. And yeah, I have my concerns about him going long-term. Uh, and that it's fairly suboptimal, especially when you consider his own skill set and how that could dovetail with Vanderson. And because you saw Vanderson inverting into center midfield, and then Single could be the one to push wide. And I feel like Monaco could be a bit more ambitious with that wing back pairing that they have. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have I have mixed feelings about about Wilfred Single at, at right center back. Do you think that that's because that's kind of what I expected? This is the first Monaco game I actually caught this season, but I. Seeing Singo at right centre-back, I was expecting some sort of interesting like overlaps or, you know, with Vanderson coming in. But we didn't really see that. He really played like a, a right centre-back. Um, do you think that that's something that we'll probably see as the season goes on? Singo kind of moving into that space a little bit more? I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I think at this point, it's difficult to say unless they add any more centre-backs to, to their back line, which they really should do. Because those that, that, that back three is really ringing some you know, alarm bells. And especially with the defensive defensive sort of weaknesses that we saw from this game, not were able to score three goals. And that doesn't happen when you have th- at least one or two centre-backs in a back three. I can understand playing Zakaria because he has some familiarity with that role. Fair enough. But Magas is too young. And like you said, Maripam on the bench. Christian Matsima was on the bench as well. Centre-back did not play this game. So I think that's just that just goes to show that maybe Hota hasn't found the right profiles for the kind of centre back, you know, the kind of things he wants his centre backs to do. So so yeah, I mean on single again I feel like may- maybe we'll see something different. I at least hope that we see something different from from what he does uh, in the next few games. We'll definitely keep a closer eye on what he does. Because I feel like attack is definitely not a problem for Monaco. They like you said, they the quality in attack is is extremely, extremely good. You have two excellent wing backs in Vanderson and Kai Henrique. You have Galloway, you have Benyadel and Miramino, three of whom are excellent at sort of rotating and occupying different spots and constantly being on the move and like shifting markers apart and then sort of unsettling low blocks in that sense. So attack is not an issue. And Balogun is definitely going to take them next to the next level when he does come in. But yeah, I do hope we see some centre-backs at Monaco because losing the Sassi and Badashile in one window is is a big hit. Like when you put it in terms of perspective of other clubs, like it, it's almost as bad as like if PSG lost, um, say I don't know Marquinhos and Kimpembe last season. Maybe if they lost both Marquinhos and Kimpembe in the in the same window, so it's a pretty big hit to take. And yeah, I'm interested to see if if before the rest of the window they they do manage to get a centre back or two. Yeah, that that'll be key for them. Uh, what do we think of Nantes, guys? Uh, Jerry, did you have anything specific that you? Uh, wanted to touch on? Yeah, I I personally was a bit disappointed of of long, um, of Nantes. I mean, um, 
I think we can clearly say that they are missing Ludovic Vass because uh, they didn't have mm. really much idea of how to attack. It was often some kind of long balls, either towards Contamerna uh, um, on the side or either towards Mother Simon. And I think yeah, they really are missing that player who connected um, that in that part of the pitch. But I, yeah, I kind of was disappointed because the way they were playing, just like they seem. As they see that they didn't have a clear plan on how to attack. Even when they tried to build up from the back, we didn't really know where they were heading. So, so yeah, I think you, you, obviously they lost the they lost Ludovic Bass and the the, the 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 year before that they lost Conrad money and just struggled to find players able to replace those players. So it definitely gonna take some time for Aristoi, the new um, North manager, to. to to create that type group again. Mm. I kind of agree and I kind of disagree. Um, I do actually think Nantes, to me, it feels like they had a clear plan. I think their pressing structures were good. They pressed high at certain times to kind of, and and they used Singo actually as the pressing drinker because they yeah. kind of knew he his positioning was a bit uncertain and when he received, maybe I think they were trying to, not that Singo's bad on the ball because he looks quite comfortable on the ball and he actually dribbled out of trouble a couple of times. But I think the process was right. That trying to get him into these situations where maybe he hangs on the ball a bit too long as a right centre-back or plays too risky, which he did once or twice, and then they won the ball back that way. Um, so I think out of possession, they did that high press and then they'd immediately drop. They didn't try and engage with Monaco kind of in, in you know the middle at all. They'd just drop into a low block. Um, so I thought that was the right way to approach the game. And then I think building out the back, I mean, they use Palois a lot to kind of, obviously, his progressive passing and, and his ability to to carry. Um, I think that that points to a clear plan. I agree with Jerry, though, that basically once they got through that deep build-up, like, who was Palois really passing into? There wasn't really, there wasn't really a, an ability to kind of keep to keep possession or, or progress through in a threatening way. I think they did use, they made use of, of um Quinton Merlin like as basically an attacker and they tried to create as much space for him as possible to kind of play long into him. So I think plans were there but I agree like the I think it's a quality it's a quality issue. They didn't really ha- really have the the players to kind of make it stick which is maybe why I'm interested to see what what Matis Ablin yeah. can bring because I think their wide players just would basically run into to cul-de-sacs and and not be able to or dead ends and not be able to do much and that that was some of the issue but but I I was I, I think I was a bit um encouraged by them this season I I do agree with the points that Jerry made in terms of like building but I think that there's a plan there it's just the execution isn't there yet and and whether it will be I think comes down to player quality and yeah and do you think like mm. you know how uh, you said that, that they had a really good a really good pressing but I I didn't say really effective but do you think with the loss of Ludovic Blas, you know how um, Klopp on said, like, yeah, the best number 10 is, like, the pressing or something in those lines. You know, that mm. that's, maybe that's what they tried to implement, but Monaco, Monaco seemed really com- confident. They, they knew what they were doing, Monaco. I think that in make it really hard. Even though the pressing was actually good, yeah. You saying it's actually reminding me that the pressing was actually good. But, yeah, maybe just, like, Monaco seemed as if they really had a clear plan and... Maybe that's why they yeah no, it, for it was, sure. it's quite it was yeah. quite hard to go on press then. 
Yeah, for sure. I think Monaco, Monaco, I agree absolutely. Like you can really see a clear identity, and they actually play in quite an exciting way, which I think is not really been Monaco for the last couple of seasons. But I do see something there with Nantes. I'm I'm interested to yeah. see how they do this season. I'm more encouraged than I went going in to the game. Yeah, I mean, I was particularly unimpressed by Mustafa Mohammed's <laughs> attempts to to drop <laughs> and try to link play, which I get fair enough. He was trying to make things happen, but we'll quickly move on now to. To Marseille Brest, Marseille winning 2-0 there. Not too much to take away from this game, but Alex, I know you had something to say. Well, the team that still isn't impressing me, I guess, is Marseille. Mm. Um, I actually was, I mean, we were making jokes, Brest unbeaten, top of the league, two games in. But actually, they look decent. They look decent. I mean, there was definitely a quality difference there. And I think Marseille are going to be a team that can just hit you on the break and be very deadly in those situations this year. Saar looked great. Um, I, I, I'm. I think he's been. He just already looks a great purchase. Um, and they they do kind of go quite direct now, but yeah, Brest are actually you know sustaining control pretty decently. Um, I, I was I was kind of impressed by them too. I mean, it's funny and not like I really regret this first part of the season where we were like, okay, our Brest not down, and both of them are are looking better. I, I guess it just goes to show like this is just a really hard league to predict this season. Um. But yeah, what did you guys think? And what have you guys thought of Marseille so yeah. far, I guess? And uh, so, obviously, as you mentioned it, I kind of, like, disappointed of Marseille. But at the same time, what do we expect? It's been, like, now the second year in a row where they change coach and another big, mm. like, new player. I mean, when you look at it, they're kind of like a brand new uh, attackers, Aubameyang, NDI, and Ismail Assar. So, some, so, they basically have to reboot everything again. I think that's what really make... Uh, really hard for them. That's why they don't look that impressive yet. But I, well, I think the quality is definitely there and it's going to take some time. But as you mentioned, Brest, those actually look really decent. That was the first time for me watching them this season. And I have to say that I've been really impressed, especially by um, Kenny Lala. Um, you just remind me like three or four years ago when he was at, at, at Strasbourg, how good he was when it comes to like uh, cross. He literally kind of like just cross from everywhere, and I think that's. I think that that could be a, a really. That they could create a lot of good things this season. Can create a lot of danger coming from him, and you should look at his cross for Munier or even Del Castillo as well. Have a great. He, he, he leads quite with the attack, and I think what, what I really like with Brest is just the fact that they are really versatile in the way that they're attacking. They could be really good in cross, but in counter, they are really good. Isn't it? Yeah, I've I've got good hope for them, and they seem to have like a good team. Even when um, later on Jonas Martin or came in, it, it just like a good continuity of of what the other player were doing. I mean, they I just really think that the the fact that they they lack quality of player, that's why uh, the Marseille are the best. But when you look at the plan, uh, Brest really seems to, to know what they're doing. No, absolutely. And and just to add, Del Castillo's been really good. He was really good this game. I, w- I was quite impressed. And it sounds like he's had a good season so far. Obviously, always rooting for him. Um, but yeah, it's been a weird one where I feel like these early weeks, there's like one guy in each team of these like mid- mid-table teams that's just bossing it. Like, for example, um, Belegard in for Strasbourg. Like, all, all of these teams just have one guy who's absolutely dominating at the moment. 
Um, but yeah, no, I agree with everything. Brez actually looked pretty decent. Um, and even um, on the other Loco, side, Loco, yeah. the left yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, he was they, good they too. Create, so they've got good fullbacks. They create a lot of danger coming from the, the, the both both sides, actually. Into Munier, yeah. I was just looking through some of the stats for the game. Brest keeping some 56% of the ball against Marseille. And overall, I know it's only a, you know, a few games in the season now, three, three or four now. Marseille are 11th average possession, 47.8% of the ball. As compared to last season being the fourth highest team in Liga with 56.9 possession. So, yeah, I wonder if that's a theme we see continue throughout the season where they keep lesser and lesser of the ball and don't rely as much on the ball at all. And do even an extreme against against smaller teams, um, with due respect. Um, yeah, I think that that's something we'll continue to see, possibly. To be honest, I absolutely think that's going to be the case. If you look at the players that they've brought in, yeah. um, Saar, um Oba, these aren't guys that are going to keep the ball, really. I don't know about Ndia yet, but, but yeah, I'm ab- absolutely expecting that to be the case. And, and the, the plan is clear. Like, fullbacks, I mean, not fullbacks, centre-backs are being quite aggressive with their passing from deep. It's it's not a game plan that leads to keeping possession. So, yeah. So, yeah. Even if you look at the history of Marcelino with his previous team, uh, either at Bilbao or at Valence, that's, that's how they were proceeding most of the time. So, yeah, it would be a great transition to see that. For sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to the big headliner of the weekend, which was PSG 3-1 longs. Alex, I'll come to you first. I know you had one take on a player that you were particularly interested <laughs> I'm just using this as my victory lap for Bettina because he was, I mean, you know, you know, he's someone that I've been like a big fan of since he came last season. Um and we've spoken a lot on this part about how he was kind of reserved last season, didn't really like take the games by the scruff of the neck, but he absolutely did that this game. Um, I think just individually before we even talk tactically, he was he was commanding. I mean, he was he was asking for the ball, he was turning out of pressure, driving forward. Um, he was getting in lots of interesting combinations. He was yeah, he he just looked great, and I'm really excited. And then tactically, I also found it really interesting. Obviously, this was Mbappe's first start of the season, but um, Vitinho was playing like the left eight, um, if you will, and Mbappe left wing. But they were Vitinho was actually holding the width a lot with Mbappe coming inside, and I think that's a relationship that looked really well. I think it's something that suits Mbappe, um, because he really likes to get into those sort of those spaces. And Vitinho, Vitinho held well. Uh, I think showed a lot of intelligence when to come in and when to come out. I think he was just, yeah, it was a monstrous performance. I think he was brilliant. Um. I'm just really happy. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him this season. And yeah, just I guess more broadly, PSG, like we kind of said, once they add in um, Osmane and and Mbappe, they will look a lot more threatening. And I think that was that was true for for them um on Sunday. Mm-hmm. On Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a quick question on, on Martini and Mbappe, Alex. I know so obviously we've seen Mbappe for quite some time now, and he's always enjoyed a relationship with the fullback on the left side. And for France, he's always had that with with Theo Hernandez. Do you think this is an attempt by Luis Enrique to sort of create some sort of dynamic on the left there? Because we know Lucas Hernandez isn't as adventurous, if you will, with, mm. with his positioning. He's far more part of that back three in possession. So do you think maybe pu- pushing Vitinha into that whole, you know, role on the left, is that an attempt towards that? 100%. Attempt? I think, I, th- I think that's the, that's the solution where you can, if you're going to have, um, I guess we'll see what happens when, um, 
Nuno Mensch comes back into the team because he's very good at overlapping mm. and allowing Mbappe to come inside. Um, but I think what we might see is some problems with like fitting Hakimi and Nuno Mensch into the team. And this is one way of having Hakimi in the team as that right withholder and yeah, attacking wing back. And then having Mbappe while still having that like back three made up of the back line, basically. And then you can just use um, Vitinha to kind of hold that width. And I, I think... What really stood out to me is he knew when to move out and when to move in, which I think, especially, these are dynamics that you see take time to develop often, and I, I think he, he kind of just hit the ground running with it. Um, we'll see, we'll see, sometimes it's just like one game, it looks really good, and the next game it looks a little bit more stodgy, but it was a, it was a nice, it was a promising start, and I was really excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, I think as well, like, that it really helps, because it, it just seems like... Um... And actually, I think uh, a journalist asked it to Luis Enrique afterwards what the position man of Vitinha, and he basically said that it was something that was wanted because, as we know, Lance really played with two aggressive, um, like either Frankowski or Machado. So they really, he really wanted someone to keep them busy uh, in a way for them to not have to think too much about Mbappe. And I think that is something that really worked well because. Throughout all game, they were always at the lima of who they should take. And obviously, USA, you think that um, Mbappe is the obvious player to take. But when you have Vitinha at that level, you just cannot let him flow into the game because he created a lot. And, and yeah, it would be, as you said, Alex, it would be interesting if it's something... Uh, in my opinion, I just feeling, feel like that is something we will not see because he really... But against... Against um team who played with the same um I say like the same way that Lance played, we're definitely gonna see it again. But um I feel I, I feel like it would be really even more interesting if Vitina make those differences in the center of the pitch. Um, so yeah. Mm. To be fair, he did. He did make. I, I think when he when he tucked in, he was also looking really good around the penalty area. I just want to ask, since obviously you are our PSG fan now. Um, what what is what is your solution for when Noon Mensch comes back in? Do you try to have him and Hakimi in the same team, and then someone from midfield, maybe Oga, dropping deep? Because Oga's actually been moving quite high, um, in possession at times. Personally, I've got some problem with with, with Hakimi. I think it's been a couple of times now. He's not really especially good, or he just waits some occasion. And I think what really interesting, or what I want to see, is actually. Maybe if when Nuno Mendes come back and gave a chance to Mukili at the right, I think it could be a, a great feat as well. But I don't know if ah, it's really something that I really don't don't know if something that um, Luis Enrique will wants to have two as like two two to two left left back so attacking left and right back so attacking uh, into the team. But yeah, um, I think it would be interesting. I would rather have. Uh, Mendes in that position and maybe have Vitinha more in the center of the pitch once again as I mentioned but it's something we'll see and even with Lucas Hernandez I think he's someone we now currently cannot drop he's just so really good and he's got that aggressivity that we haven't seen in ages at PSG so it'll be a great challenge for Enrique to try to fit in all those, those, those good players how he wanted his team to articulate. 
Mm. Jerry, I know you had some thoughts on Lance that you wanted to share as well. Yeah, um, obviously, Lance been now three games in the league with only one point. Um, and the season, I mean, I mean the Champions League season, so the weeks when they had going to have like two games haven't even started yet, and they seem quite in, mm. quite in, quite in trouble. Uh, I expect them to be in trouble to be fair for the first half of the season. Uh, like I, I, obviously, it's not that they're just bad. It's just they lost Sekufofana and Openda, which were like uh, major players for them. And if you look, even if you look at the game on on Saturday, they just were missing that depth that uh, Openda were were having. And obviously, when when uh, anyway you're gonna be fit, you're gonna bring it. But for now, he's not fit yet. And and even even. Um, and the two that they bring on is not exactly the same player as as, as Kupuana, so they don't have the same automatism so that they used to have. So it would be interesting to see how Frank is uh, going to try to make this work. But I think it's definitely going to make it work, but it's going to take some time. And only for this, I just think that for the first half of the season, with all the game that's awaiting for them in the Champions League, and, uh, and the season, they they not gonna they're not gonna be great. And if I if I have to take like a like a bet, I would think like at the winter break they're probably gonna be like fifth or sixth because I I, I really see them struggling uh, on the old first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Alex, do you share those concerns? Yeah, I think I agree with everything Jerry said there. Um, uh, kind of in line with what we said um, preseason as well. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna. I think it's gonna take time. Um, I think they still have some really good players. To, to be fair to them, and I think they're still gonna be a very good defensive side. But, but yeah, I think it's gonna take time going forward. Mm. All right, do you guys want to quickly move on to Ren two, La Havre two, which was a fairly entertaining draw of two halves, really. So, Alex, uh, should I come to you first on on Ren, and uh, you can tell us what you thought of the game. So, people will know, whoever listens to this pod, the three people out there, will know that <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Genesio, but I have to give him credit. I think I think Ren actually looked really good. I wasn't even sure I was watching a Genesio team, but um, I think a lot of it has to do with Matic, actually. Matic was very smart, went to sit, to drop in and split the centre-backs, and he was kind of directing um, both um, what Christopher Wu and Viet, like the positions that they need to take. And I think that naturally um, informed the rest of the team's shape, as it does when you've got that back line and that deep build-up. Um, and then I think, you know, you've got you've got intelligent players in... Um, Enzo Lefebvre, and who was the other one? Burigat, as the midf- as the eights, knowing when to drop in themselves, just their natural like intelligence. I think it it led to quite an int- quite a like a, a good. Uh, it led to yeah, quite an aesthetically pleasing and like tactically formidable, maybe is a strong word, but tactically adept team. Um, I still think that there are problems, and I think this does come from a coaching thing in terms of positioning. Um, you know, rest defensive positioning in preparation for transitions and I think they did struggle with the transitions and they would have been punished a little bit more if Lahav were a better team. Um but yeah they looked good. Um I, I was quite impressed I have to say. I think Kalimundo's movements he's looking a little bit more selfish this season, which I like to see. Um he was really making runs into onto the end of things. His finishing let him down a little bit, but 
but he looked great. And and I know you guys both have lots of things about Ludwig Blast to say, so I'll let you I'll let you guys take the take the the driving wheel there. <laughs> yeah, so I just had some concerns that I wanted to share early on before we talk about uh, Ludovic Blas is obviously Matish being in the side I think really helped direct some of those movements mm-hmm. that are happening in the first phase and building out from there. I have serious concerns about their backline in general though, especially in the way they sort of wilted away in the second half and like when the half really got some foothold into the game. That back four is all under 23 players, by the way. At the end of the day, they're all still really, really young. So I felt like there was some leader at the back that was missing there. Some, you know, vocal presence at the back. Like how Leo have, or had at least, Jose Font. Or some some big voice like that in the back. Telling the defense when to, you know, when to relax, when to step up and all of that. And obviously having Matic help there, you know, in the first half we saw him split the centre-backs and bring some, you know, calmness in possession. And some responsibility, at least. Because he's obviously brings a great deal of experience. But back four, Asignon, Christopher Wu, Arthur Thiat, Adrian Truffet, all four players are under 23. So I feel like that is going to cost them big time when games are not going their way. Especially because when you saw the first first half of... First half of the first half, really. Where Ren were in total control. Like Le Havre couldn't even see an inch of the ball... Ryan in cruise control, playing some super, super sexy football. And you really enjoyed what they were doing with Lafay dropping deeper, controlling play, Lodovic Blas making things happen in the final third, Kalamundo and Gahiri sort of rotating their positions. And it looked really good. But the switch when things start to fall apart is when this back four, like, you know, weaknesses sort of come to the front. And that's where I feel a bit, uh, feel a bit concerned. But Jerry... Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Ludovic Blas in this game and why he is one to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when Ludovic Blas came on um, to to replace Doku, and he is clearly a less explosive uh, player than Doku was, and still is that bit. Uh, but yeah, and I think the way the way that um, Blas is he, he's playing is not as as I mentioned, as explosive, but he created something that wasn't there before. And what Ren used to do is to put, uh, to put Borijo on the wing to try to create that. But when you put Borijo on the wing, therefore it's not on the midfield anymore to create this. And I think Ludovic Vaz is really great, really uh, making treats from, from the wing. That's, the, that's something really different and that haven't been seen um, in a long time, uh, yeah, and it's clearly different than Doku. It's a bit different than Martin Terrier when he's going to come back. And I, I think that's something really, uh, if Genesio can get the best of, of his um, creativity, uh, I think it's something that would be really interesting, especially you know, when you have strikers, uh, either Kalimondo or Guerri, when you can be at the other time. I definitely can see them link up uh, quite well. I just wanted to add to your point, um, Nenad, about the defense um, as well, mm. is that I think they lack a bit of aggression, not so much in terms of stepping up to engage, maybe outside of the box, but in the box, there's just Wu, Thiet, Truffaut were all kind of, like, they're very passive. Very flaky. Uh, and not, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I mean, the first goal that Le Havre scored, like, that was... Truffaut was mismatch against the guy that he went up against, first of all. He had no chance, but, like... 
he was he wasn't great in his positioning to start with. Theat didn't really like go towards or challenge the ball. Was kind of just happy standing by his man. So it, like that is something that I think um, that I think Ren are gonna have to work on. And and I don't really know like is Amari that kind of guy once he comes back in to really to bring that. Um, I'm not so sure. On Omari, Alex, do you think once he does come back, maybe we'll see Genesio shift back to that back three that we saw last season? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think we could. Um, I think we could. But but now with Matic kind of there at the base, um, and we'll see what happens when when Rida comes in. Like they've got a, they're adding a little bit more steel to the midfield. Um, I hope I'm cor- like correctly profiling Rida, <laughs> um, Jerry. But yeah, so so uh, am I or? Um, yeah, um, I, I would have to say that if there is one reader, is kind of kind of really similar to uh, Borijo in a way. Like you have a really great left okay. foot. Like yeah, you have a really great left foot, and he's really creative. And he, he, what he really likes to do he makes those like uh, how can I say that? Like those last pass. You know, like he, or those progressive pass are gonna break down the lines. And I think. That's why. That's why. I mean, I I don't see him start, but I could see him being a great. Uh, if he came back later in the game, I I I could see him cause a lot of troubles when other players gonna be like backline, the opposition backline gonna be like tired. Okay, that's good to know. I watched him obviously only for the under twenty ones, and he was putting in like industrious sort of ball winning performances. But I guess it's also the nature of. Of the the teams he was playing and, and in that setup, so that makes kind of sense as someone who can kind of close out games. Then he definitely has good like energy. Yeah, he's, re- he's really energetic. Kind of, he's really funny because I would say he progresses. Like when he started his career, I would have more um, compared him to like a Valverde kind of player, with a lot of runs. Mm, but the, I can see the that. later on, ah, he did develop a really a really good sense for his his um, like with passes and. Yeah, you just become really, really good at creating, creating chains, and that's why people are just really um, into some are really shocked about the the, the dimension that he had to recently because we wasn't expecting him. We was expecting him to be a good player, to be an energetic player, but creativity wise, it's not where he we noticed him, and now we become really more creativity, and that's why we're like, oh, okay, so he's definitely a player that we should um, be more interested in. He he does sound a lot like Beauregard then. Um, but yeah, so then to answer your question, Nenada, I think it depends. Like if Matic is playing, I don't think they're going to play a back three, except in games where maybe they really want to be defensive. But Genesio has also never been one to really prepare particularly defensively for big games. I mean, he usually just kind of runs and runs with it and has faith in the in the players he has. I mean, like we can even look back to to stuff like playing playing a double pivot of Awa and Ndombele, if I remember correctly, versus versus City or in the Champions League games. Um so yeah, it's it's one of those. I think with Armatic we could well see it return though. Alright, cool. Okay, let's move on to probably the biggest shocking result of, of the weekend. Definitely was for me, is uh, Leo one, Lorion four. Lorient scored four goals against Paulo Fonseca's Leo. This result was so shocking that Alex, me and Jerry had to watch the first half back, which is where all the meltdown happened from the game. So, Jerry, what the hell happened? 
Yeah, um, I think that, that there is multiple reasons for that. I think uh, Lille obviously started the game, I think, kind of tired after the Thursday game uh, against Rijeka in the Conference League um, mm. qualification. So it might be not the best. And right, if you see in there, they put Camilla on the bench, which obviously are an important player. So yeah, when, when the game started, obviously, um, they did look really, really nice, but throughout the game, it just like Lorient, well, Lorient's defensive work is just really good. And for that, they're really well organized and it's really hard to put them out of position when honestly in that way. And the way they were pressing as well was quite aggressive. And, but, and as I said, after a game, it's really complicated game in, in Israel. It's really hard for them to come back now in, in Lorient and to be 100% of the game. So. I think Lille wasn't really wasn't prepared enough for that game, and the, the way that Lorient were pressing them did make things really hard for them. So, and once they conceded those those two goals quite quickly, it was just really hard to get back in the game. Um, because I would say Lorient were, were were did really look good, and what Regis Lebris is doing currently with this team just. Uh, really coherent, and I think I like a lot of team gonna gonna struggle at least to score to score goals against against Lorient because yeah uh, it's, it's, they they definitely lost some offensive traits with Dongo Wadar going and Enzolofi going as well, but they gained so much in in, in compactness and the defensive implication and and yeah. Yeah, I think with what they've lost with uh, Watara and obviously Lefebvre leaving is getting more out of players like Ponceau and obviously now Roman Favre looks like he's starting to rediscover the form that made him that big star. Um, so yeah, I think there's been plenty of positive uh, things to take away offensively from Lorient, not just their defensive ability. But Alex, what did you take away from this game, especially on Lorient? Um, I think this is... Exactly the Regis Labrie sort of side that we saw last season in terms of defensive, like just diligence and intensity and knowing when to be intense. I think that really caused huge problems for Lille in deep build up. And this is something Lille, you know, should be obviously helped a bit by by Miramont having quite a tough time to start the game. Um but yeah, they were they were very intense. I agree, I agree with Jerry. I think like guys like Uatara were really good defensively as well. And then maybe when they lost to Uatara, they kind of lacked that those frontline guys to really help defensively. But um, their striker, I'm trying to remember his name now. Yes, lots of Dukure's in this league. Um, <laughs> yeah, their striker Dukure was really impressive from the front as well. Um, and then, yeah, as you spoke about, like on the ball, Ponzo, been a big fan of him. Uh, I think he's this is his season really as a starter now. Um, Favre looks back to life. Um, really, a guy just when you ru- when you run the game through him, he just looks better and better and and more and more confident. Like the goal he scored was gorgeous. Um, that finish. So so they've got like that. They've replaced that technicality, I think, or technique within the side. Um, but they've kept up that intensity. Um, Abigail was just extraordinarily good. Um, in the game, and he yeah, he he just looks on another level so far this season. <coughs> Um, yeah, well, one thing that interests me is that they're actually not playing that defensively. Like, Ponceau is playing as part of the midfield too with, with Abrigel. Um, and Ponceau is quite an attacking player. So, 
or midfield three. I don't have many thoughts on Lille because it's kind of hard. It's tough to have too many takeaways because I think they are missing key players um, in the back line. And then obviously, interesting that Cabella or Cabella was dropped um, for Yazici, who I, I like as a player, but I didn't think really had that much of an impact on the game. Angel Gomes coming on, I think, every time he's been on the game, has kind of gone back into Lille's favour so far this season. So as soon as he's starting for them again and ready to start, I think, the better. As we said, Miramont had a really tough game and it just set them off in the wrong way. I mean, yeah, basically he was at fault for the first goal. I think he was even kind of at fault for the second goal, if I remember correctly. Um so, so yeah, it set them off in a bad way. I'm still yet to see it really with Haraldson. Um, he he he's played every game. I think started every game for them so far. Yep. Um, looks technically good. Looks intelligent in terms of looking for spots. Lacks a bit of that physical intensity though. Um, and 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 also maybe that creativity to really make things happen. Um, one thing I'll say that's interesting is the pockets that they were getting Shakrova into. Um, Shakrova's used to kind of just receiving wide and then cutting in. Um, but now with Santos, that new right back, who I think we've spoken about every pod so far, because he has been impressive with his like willingness to get forward. Um, yeah, well, you kind of find Jakrova getting into more middle, middle sort of pockets and, and he's actually been quite good there. I think will be promising at least there's enough to see the vision, I think. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And also obviously they're dovetailing. So sometimes Jakrova is wide and then Santos is quite comfortable sitting in the half spaces as well. So so I think I can see the vision. Um, it's just not coming together yet. All right. Well, let's move on then. Finally, uh, to cover off the big games, the most unremarkable result from from the weekend, I think, Nice nil, uh, and Leon nil. Alex, I'll come to you as the uh, pod's resident Leon <laughs> fan. What uh, what happened in this game? A massive success. <laughs> <laughs> As Talisa said, we're a small club now, so we went to, we went to we took a point from from Nice. Um, no, I think in terms of our structure, I'm not gonna. I've already gone ad nauseum on, on pods. I I don't like really how we set up. Um, in possession, I don't think it gets the most out of our players, so I'm I'm not gonna bore us with with too many takes there. I think defensively, we kind of did what we had to do. We we ceded control. To Nice, um, they should have won, but they also weren't that impressive themselves. Um, I kind of want to yeah, just hand over to Jerry because Jerry kind of brought up a really important um, quote from Dante after the match that I think kind of shows why Nice struggled against us and why we probably did the right thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dante, uh, after the game, just mentioned how, uh, in a way that he didn't really seem happy about it. He, Kind of mentioned like how the coach wanted them to build up really slowly for Leon to press them and to, so obviously to attract them. And the way we're saying is like uh, he didn't seem really happy about that approach of the game. And and yeah, as Alex mentioned, they Nice in my opinion they did look kind of good for the first fifteen minutes, but they quite quickly deleted and it just a bit easy. the process that I think is gonna take time because. Obviously, um, when Paoli arrived at Nice, he, he made a press conference uh, uh, announcing you know, like they're going to do this, the, the box build up, this, this, this. And so far, we haven't quite seen it at, at Nice. And 
Well, I, I don't think he did upset fans about it. I, I don't think he did because when you look at the state that Nice have been for the past year, it's really not nice. But it's just like, uh, I feel like when you arrive in, obviously he's a, he's a young coach who didn't have, I don't, you don't have much. Have you ever been the first coach of a team that is first experience? I'm not sure. Anymore. I think he's been first. Yes, he has. In, in Turkey. Okay, in Turkey. So, so obviously, when he arrived on this, I think what's really important um, for him was before saying, like, the, the way he just having all the players on board. And sometimes it just it just seems like not all the, the, the Nice players are on board with, with this plan. But uh, obviously, <laughs> we still have only three games in the season, so we're, gonna, we're obviously not going to have any... Any, any direct idea about how how it's gonna go, but it's just like, yeah, uh, Nice doesn't are not there where they want to be quite yet, and I just think is until the 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 transfer window ends, it's gonna be sure because we're still unsure about if uh, Bar apply like to divorce gonna leave or not. So, yeah, maybe after this we're gonna see it a bit better. But yeah, I think as much as Lyon been disappointing. Nice as well didn't really do much either. Like I, they they did kind of a bit more than Lyon, but not so much for them to deserve a win. And I, and I feel like Alex mentioned, uh, if if the only plan for them was just to attract Lyon, and Farley didn't think about something else for in case that Lyon are are not gonna press them. Then yeah, he also needs to, to to maybe change some of his tactics, maybe. Yeah, it's it's just funny. Um, the same weekend where um, where the Zerbi, who is obviously Farioli's like <laughs> mentor of sorts, got foiled by a, a like a disgusting deep block where they're just refusing to get drawn out um against West Ham. Then we just did the same thing to yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Farioli, <laughs> a bit less effectively, a bit less effectively, but it got the job done. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's funny, but but yeah, ultimately uh, it was quite a bit like a drab affair. Um, I thought we were gonna get pulled apart because we just lacked structure defensively, and but luckily we kind of sat a little bit deeper, which makes things more compact and. I do think they probably should have won, but we kind of rode our luck a little bit. But also, they weren't super de- like deserving of a win. I think even when you're not getting pulled out like that, they they could have been. You would expect them to do a little bit more against us, especially in our current state. But it is what it is. Well, I feel like it's not <laughs> even the, even though that Carissa said they are small clubs. I think Lyon kind of knew <laughs> it would be hard to win. I mean, without Lacazette, which obviously the the main threats offensively mm-hmm. and they just try something new with that with that um Bakula and Sah and Profron was kinda of, I I wasn't I'm I wasn't a, a really good fan of it. But I think yeah when you look at the but at the end of the end of the day, when you look at the, the composition, there's no I mean yeah, except Sherhi who did look really great. There wasn't much uh, to dig out of this game. I think Talisa also had quite a good performance. Um, yeah, I think Talisa had a good performance. But yeah, beyond that, not much to read into it. Mm. I mean, in terms of concerns for Nice, I think one player like, um, I'm frustrated with in particular is Gaetan Laborde on, on the right. But I think he puts a lot of yards in. He works tremendously hard like to get the ball upfield. He carries the ball. He's all action. 
but with the final ball he's it's it's always missing with him i feel like the crossing uh, is is like far too erratic for moffy to you know be that uh, productive center forward he needs the service and uh, i hope that's why jeremy boga will solve those issues for 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 nice going forward um but yeah jerry you you have yeah, something to say i think it's going to be because i think we alabama is actually like a striker and i think they're going to have a, a nice um a nice problem for for Fawadi to have like either he wants to purge Muffy because for me Muffy is like a, a tremendous striker so he deserves to play but so is Labog so either if you want to pair them or at some point you're gonna have to make a choice between one of them but yeah because when you look at the the, the nice players they actually have either like on the wing with Boga or Job but striker with uh, Labog and Muffy I mean I think they, they they have the capacity to do something really great there, but I feel like for now it's just a question of finding the right, uh, uh, the the I can say that, like the, the the right chemistry between all those players to work because towards the end of the game, you know, it just seemed like really chaotic when just Atal always doing the going forward and and, and basically had no st- structure. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's just a question of chemistry maybe for for Yuri and his men. Mm, Alex, uh, just last thing. I wonder how much of that also comes down to you know a coach coming to the club and kind of respecting the hierarchy a little bit with Labor starting because Jerry made the good point that they do have a lot of really exciting wide options that are super dynamic and maybe suit Farioli more. Might suit Farioli more. Um, but yeah, obviously, Morphy is a starter, no questions. And then Labor has been a fantastic player for them. Was their top scorer last season. I think is still a really good player. I like him. Um, but maybe not that same dynamic presence where in a possession side you want to create those spaces to get those those high um, value chances. Um, so maybe maybe it's just a it's a it's a question of of hierarchy right now and respecting the squad dynamics as they are. Mm, some concerns for for Rioli to mull over for the rest of the season. All right, let's uh, let's close it off, guys, with uh, discussing some of the rest of the games that we did not discuss in depth. Strasbourg winning 2-0 against Toulouse. Another fantastic performance for, for Belaga, getting a goal and assist, just as he did against uh, Alex's Olympic Lyon. Uh, <laughs> Reims winning 3-1 against Montpellier. A good game for Teddy Tayuma, scoring a brace in that one. And Clermont and Fulham. just to speak to that brace, yeah. that was two exceptional goals. The free kick was awesome. And then even better was like that half volley finish from outside the box afterwards. So I'm really excited to see him Again, and on top of that, he got the assist as well. I think he had a, a really good game that's kind of almost overshadowed by two insane finishes. Mm. But yeah. Well, still, Rans taking a new step, I think, technically, which is what we love to see. No doubt we'll discuss them in a future deep dive episode alongside other teams. But to close off, I think Clermont Foot winning, sorry, losing. <laughs> Clermont Foot losing against Mets, losing 1 0 with. Uh, Mikhail Tadze's farewell goal and a transfer to Ajax is happening, I think, as we speak. And yeah, farewell to him uh, from Liga and we wish him well in greener pastures in the Netherlands. Alright, listeners, that brings us to the end of the roundup of the weekend's action. Before we close off the pod, we do have matches to recommend for next weekend. Now, we haven't discussed these choices beforehand, so it's a surprise to all of us. But, Jerry, I will give you the first choice. Who are you recommending? Uh, so um, I decided to go. Well, uh, we're not doing obviously the PSG Lyon games. Well, I will say that 
le Havre and Lorient is actually quite just an interesting. Lorient is interesting for the reason that we've discussed in the pods, but the Havre is actually quite interesting because they kind of, um, since last season with Mathieu Bodmer taking the position as a sporting director, they have like a really an exciting young project with, with, with player. And obviously, the Havre is a, is a club in, in, in Paris, so we know the quality of Parisian player. And and only for that they have a, as well a really great coach with Esner who's doing a, a nice job, and I think it's a it's a club that we sh- we should sometimes sometimes um actually keep an uh, an eye at this season because even though I don't we don't know yet maybe they can just gonna lose all the games but I feel like they always gonna play well or try to play and I think that's I know that's something we like in this podcast with team who who likes to play so. Le Havre ha- against Lorient is definitely something that I recommend, and and yeah, perfect, Alex. So yeah, we're not allowed to choose um myself up versus Jerry the PSG Lyon game, but I think Nantes Marseille is going to be interesting, um particularly after the ba- the way both teams play, but particularly after watching Nantes this weekend, I'm I'm interested to see more of them, um. They do seem to want to build up deep, but they still struggle. Um, one thing I didn't point out is how deep that their pivots kind of drop to really help with and facilitate their deep build up. Kind of leaves a little bit of a gap between them and their attackers. And as as we've we've spoken about, without Ludo Blush, they don't really have anyone to kind of make it stick in the final third. Um, so what they end up doing is they kind of do this deep build up, and then they kind of try to go along. They they do a lot to kind of create spaces for their biggest threats creatively at the moment that is um their left back Merlin um but then Marseille on the other hand is also a team that doesn't really even want to be a protagonist in terms of how it controls possession it just likes to go direct quite direct from its um from its center back so this kind of feels like a weird game where maybe people wouldn't be interested in it in a, as a spectacle because I can see it getting kind of messy but I think as a tactical matchup in a way they kind of cancel each other out I'm interested to see what they do, and again, um, if I'm if I'm not cor- incorrect, let me just quickly check. Yeah, Nantes are at home again, and I think Nantes will be looking for the draw. So it's actually now up to Marseille to kind of break a team down, and I I think Nantes are, are decent defensively, um, based on on the on the past weekend's um evidence. But of course, that that's what we're working off early in the season. So yeah. Mm. All right. I think for my pick, I'll go for. Nice versus Strasbourg at, at Nice's home. I think that should be a very interesting game because Strasbourg have made a great start of the season. Two wins and one draw so far. And Nice have drawn all of their games. So it's about time they pick up a win at, at home. I think that's the perfect opportunity to do it against a Strasbourg team that looks to be on the up again under uh, under Patrick Vieira. And yeah, I think two teams that, at least in attack, they thrive on transition. Strasbourg if, even more so than, than Nice even though if they go about, go about it in different ways. So, yeah, I think that should be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And, uh, yeah, about about time. In terms of the narratives for both teams, at least for Strasbourg to maybe continue that rise and, yeah, needs to maybe show that Farioli's methods can actually bring results. So, so yeah, I think with that, we call it a day on this pod. Jerry, Alex, thank you so much, as always, for, for joining, uh, uh, joining the podcast and joining me in recording today and listeners thank you so much for sticking with us to the end we hope that this has been an insightful listen for you and we thank upbeat for providing the music as always and 
And before before we call it a day, of course, if your podcast platform allows you to rate and review the pod, please do. We really appreciate it. Say nice things for to us. We we don't like. I mean, we love spending our weekends watching Liga, but we also love hearing nice things from people uh, about Liga. So yeah, Alex. Uh, and just next week, we're going to be doing, I think, a transfer window review pod where we go through each team, look at their transfers, look at where they've done well. Maybe they're left a bit short. So, yeah, that should be a comprehensive one. So, tune in. Um, and Jerry will be joining yeah. us again. Hey. He's he's on he's on loan at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> With a view to permanence. <laughs> that, that is the plan. That is the plan. Well, we'll have Jerry's company again. Jerry's delightful company, I should say, huh. again next week. But listeners, this uh, this plane is now taking down, touching down, and we are finally ending the pod. So thank you so much once again. Take care, and we'll see you next time.